in part three of a series that was never intended to be a series, talking about the good news, the gospel. A couple of weeks ago, we, we began just talking about, uh, just about the Thanksgiving feast and leveling up our gratitude for what Christ did for us uh, through the cross. And then last week, we began to just describe what that was because I found that there's so many believers, so many Jesus followers, so many, uh, I would say, people who call themselves Christians who just, they, they, they they're sort of have an idea of what it means. But if you'd ask them to share it with somebody else, they'd be like, well, I don't even know where to start. Just call, call Mark. He, he's, we pay him to do that. Uh, but the goal is that we would all be able to share the good news. It's actually Jesus' command to us. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Share it with, share it with people. Peter, an eyewitness, Jesus, uh, eyewitness follower of Jesus, he said to, to the New Testament um, believers, he's like, hey, always be ready. Like if somebody asks about the hope that you have, hey, are you one of those Christians? Yes, I am, and, and here's why. Always be ready. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said this, and we, we started here uh, last week. With uh, Ephesians 6 verse 15, he says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, he was describing all of this armor. And we saw this where he's like, hey, not just have the good news, but be prepared. Be prepared to share it. And it's the good news of peace. And that's what we talked about last week. You know, because peace is something, man, uh, we need that in our lives. And it's not peace that's the absence of war or the absence of problems. Uh, You can have peace right in the middle of massive problems if you have peace with God. You know, we live in a, in a culture right now that is terrified of death. We'll do anything just not to die. You know, don't just, just stay away from everybody. Try not to get sick. Don't do anything. You know, just this whole um, way we live right now is this paranoia of death. And, you know, death's coming for all of us. The, the thing is, are we ready for it? Do we have peace with God when we get there? And the truth is that that's the good news, is that you can have peace with God. You can be right with God. Uh, when you meet him, and that's through Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the things that we notice is that a lot of Christians today don't understand, they don't understand the good news. It's like even as we were singing today, gone, gone, my sin and shame, it's, it's gone. And I'm like, they're singing about dancing. I'm like, I'm just, a, I'm a white boy. I'm probably not allowed to say that, but I can't dance, you know? And I'm just like, but there's part of me, just want, you know, that it's like, it, it grabs me from the, from the inside out of what he's done for me. And I hope that it does for you as well. And I guess I want to ask that question. Do you know if you're good with God? Like if you were to die tonight and you were to meet the, the creator of the universe, you're like, I don't even know if he exists, but if, I, if he does and I meet him, I'm not sure. You know, I'd ask the Jesus followers in this room, how righteous are you today? A lot of times when you ask that question, you know, how, how righteous are you? Your mind starts to go back to this morning. Like what happened today? I got up, stepped on the cat. I probably said something I shouldn't have. You know, got to the kitchen. All the bananas were gone. I probably said something I shouldn't have. Drove to work. All those people, you know, in my way and I'm late. I probably said or did something I shouldn't have. Then I, you know, I checked in late, but I punched my clock in as being early and probably shouldn't have. Whatever it was. You know, does your mind run to all those things? All those thoughts or all those things. You know, you know what that is? We talked about this last week. That's our standard. That's the way we kind of describe our life as a, as a Jesus follower, whether we're good with God or not. And we, we draw this line of like, you know, down here, I'm not sure if I'm good with God, but up here, I'm pretty sure I'm good. But this is our line. So we're like, you know, I said all those bad words. I don't think he likes it all that much. But then I prayed about it. We're good. You know, and we did this and we said, well, I went to church on a Saturday night. Like that should be extra bonus points for me. And then, uh, you know, the tax return thing. We talked about that last week. And then, you know, but we'll give money away. And I'll just even, you know, and I feel better. And I think God must like me more. And so depending on where you are today, if I said, hey, how righteous are you? How good with God? Are you in the top or are you in the bottom? 
for many, it kind of depends on where they're at in that line, but that's not good news. That's not good news for Christians. That's not good news for the world. No person who's not a Jesus follower is like, huh, I can have an endless amount of rules for my life? <laughs> Sign me up. You know, this invisible scorekeeper who's watching me and might smote me and <laughs> boot me to pass. I'm, I'm all in. That's not good news. That's not good news at all. And I think that we, unfortunately, we live our lives as if that's the good news, but it's not. And we don't realize that, you know, we cannot get above the line with our good works. You know, we think we measure these things. We're like, yeah, I did some good stuff. God must like me a little more. We can't get there. We can never get, we can't even get to the line. I think in the next category, it shows us that, you know, with, with the way that God sees the categories, we, we, we can try whatever we want. We, we cannot get into this category on our own. That's why he says you can't earn salvation. You can't, you can't get in there. And he says, you know, we talked about last week how sometimes we say, well, what's a sinner? And that's a word we hate. But most of us would say a sinner is somebody who sins. And if we're honest, we were like, well, that's all of us, like me included. I'm probably the chief, you know? And, and, uh, and we kind of think, well, because I'm a sinner, you know, because I sin, that makes me a sinner. And, and, and that's not the case at all. These are categories. This is like every single one of us was born here. You know, this is where I was born. I was born in Canada. I was born in Vanduard, but I was also born a sinner. Nobody taught me how. I just, just knew how. I, I was broken from the beginning. And that's where we all find ourselves. You know, sinner's just not a nice word. We, you know, even the Greeks, that they are studying, you know, other old Greek literature, they don't, you know, the Bible writes about this word sinner a lot, but the, the rest of the Greek literature doesn't. It seems like it's a Bible-y term. And, and it's not just, you know, we think it's bad when we see it's like, oh, the word sinner, but the writers of the New Testament made it sound way worse. They, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he says, you're not just a sinner. You know, maybe put the graph up there again. He's like, you're dead in sin. Dead people, they don't, no, no, go to the back. He's too far ahead. You got to the good news before I'm ready. <laughs> Dead, you're stuck down here. Dead people can't do anything. Uh, he writes to the Ephesians, says, well, we were helpless, utterly helpless, is what he writes to the Romans, that we were utterly helpless down below that line. He says, that's just where we all were. And just when the bad news seems like it's completely hopeless, he writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 9, but God, you know, when it was hopeless for us, we had no chance to earn our way in. We definitely want to go the other place if, the, if it exists. We have these, these weird feelings and wonders that says, but God, what did he do? He says he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. We, we didn't earn it. We, we didn't behave better. We, we, didn't, we didn't do something to make God love us more. He just, just loves us. You ask, you ask Chris Stone about, you know, this brand new baby. Does he love that baby? 100%. Is he proud of her? Oh, yeah. He sent us pictures. He sent pictures to whoever's watching on YouTube. Has she done anything for him? No. That's that love. There's just this, this unconditional love. That's what God has for us doesn't matter where we find ourselves on that line under in there. He loves us. He loves us. It says in verse 9, since we have been what made right, made righteous. How righteous are you? Well, it depends on if you believe that or not. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. What's Paul saying? He's like, it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. We, didn't, we, don't, we don't earn our way into God liking us. It was while we were sinners that he died for us and, and decided he's going to call us saints instead. 
saints instead. He took this line that we had, which is coming in a second here. There it is. No, it's the next one. There it is. And he actually brings us into this category. Into this category, he says, you know, through the cross, you, this, was, this was you. But because of what we just read, he says, because of this, I put you here. Wait, what did I, did I do it? No, I didn't do anything. That's what's so amazing. I didn't have to undo all my stuff. I didn't have to redo. He's just like, no, no, I'll, I'll put you here. And, and I'll keep you there. And, and you can live in that, in that spot of being alive. Do you know what that says to me? That Christians, you know, we, for any person who's a Jesus follower or Christian, and you feel guilt and shame in your life, something's not right. Because you shouldn't. You shouldn't ever have the spot where there's that guilt and that shame uh, holding uh, onto your life because this is what the good news does. It takes you from there and puts you in a new place. And here's what Paul says um, to the Romans in Romans 8. He says, now there's no condemnation. How much? None. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. None. He's like, there is none for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you're like, how am I a Jesus follower? Then you are in that other spot. You are in that other category. Like, yeah, but I keep thinking that. Can I just tell you something? You have an enemy who still loves to tell you stuff. He will always lie to you, always. And he will always try and make you feel like you're not good enough. Because if you believe that lie, you'll do nothing for the kingdom. But the truth is, you're good enough. Not because of what you did yesterday, today, what you're going to do tomorrow. It's because of what he's done for you. That's how powerful the cross is. And he says this, and because you belong to him, verse 2, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. <laughs> You're already free from the power of sin in your, in your life that leads to death. You're already free from that penalty. You know what that's called? That's called justification. It's called being justified. And justified is a word, you know, we never use. You know, you don't walk to be like, hey, you know, you know I don't, do kids still ride the bus? Probably, you know, hey, uh, you get justified last weekend. Like, we, don't, we don't use any of those words, right? But justified is like this powerful thing that says, <laughs> and I, I, just, I just love this because the, the definition that, for, that works for me is this, is it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified is, that through the cross, Mark's life used to be here, but now it's here. This is actually all, all forgiven, wiped away. It's, I, I'm just as if I'd never sinned. Man, I don't dance about that. Right like that? Not you guys? Oh, man, what were you into? I don't know. Just as if I had never sinned. That's why he calls you a saint. St. Rhonda's in the house tonight. St. George. St. Nelly watching. St. Saint Gary. St. Stephen. You know, saint. You're a saint if you're a Jesus follower. Have you, has that registered? You're like, yeah, but I, I still sin sometimes. You know what the truth is that God... God sees your sinful life, that past sinful, he sees it through this cross. He sees Christ's sinless life when he looks at you. He sees, you know, Christ's sin um, bearing death in our place. Instead of his, he sees ours. You know what he says? It's this word to tell us thy. It's a Greek word of what, of a uh, translation of what Jesus' last words on the cross were. You know what his last words on the cross were? It is finished. That word, to telstai, is, it's, a, it's an accounting term. It means paid in full. So when he says on the cross, he's like, you keep looking back at that. You keep looking back at your past as if it matters. As if it matters to me, as if it matters to you. He's like, I already paid for that. Jesus follower, it is washed away. That is good news. That's good news for me. 
Some of you, I know your story. It's good news for you. You know, it is, it's good news. It's finished. Man, I wonder, like, how did this do that? It's incredible. But then we get to that spot. Mark, are you saying you never sin anymore? Not so fast. But we're going to do a show of hands. <laughs> how many of you still sin every once in a while? Uh, online? Those of you who didn't raise your hands, you know, John would call you a liar, which is a sin. So, you know, we're all, in this, we're all in this boat. I know we don't like it, but we're all in it together. You know, the good news, though, the good news is that sinning doesn't change the category. See, too often we think we're, we're here as a Jesus follower. I trust in him, but oh, I sinned. Now I must be a sinner. But you are not. You remain a saint because of what Christ has done for you. Do you know what, do you know what sins have been forgiven? It doesn't change the status. It doesn't change the status of where you're at. Your past sin, forgiven. The sin that you're thinking about me right now, maybe you're like, oh, that guy, I don't like that guy. I don't like what he's saying. It's forgiven. You know, the future, it's already forgiven. It's it's incredible what he's done on the cross for us. And so then, you know, that thought that comes up, well, (laughs) if he's already forgiven me, why don't we just keep sinning? Like, who cares then, right? If I'm forgiven, might as well just keep sinning, right? You're not the only one to have that thought. You know, the Romans also had that thought, and they asked Paul, hey, Paul, if the grace is so good, why don't we just keep sinning? He's like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? He's like, as a Jesus follower, the wages of sin is still death. You know, if I look at this, you know, the, the vertical and the, and the horizontal parts of the cross, the vertical, our sin and where we stand with God is taken care of by, by what he did on this cross. You know, I might, any sins that I commit from here on in, that's not going to change my stand with him because of what he did here for me. But then there's this. My relationships with everybody else. There's still death in all of those areas when we decide we want to choose sin. It's, it's like this. Maybe I can paint the picture like this. You go out after tonight and you go rob the bank. He's forgiven you. The bank manager, not so much. You know, you go, you go scream at your kids on the way home because they weren't paying enough attention or whatever. He, you know, you repent, or you good with God? Yes. Good with your kids? It might take a little bit. You know, you, um, you speed on the way to Hewitt's after, because we went a little long, and you're not about to get your ice cream, and you get pulled over. Are you forgiven with God? It ain't changing whether you're getting to heaven or not. With the police? Not so good. You know, if I cheat on my wife, am I forgiven? With him? Yes. With her? Not a chance. And you probably will not see me next week. Why? Because we know that it matters. Death happens. Death in relationships. Death financially. Death in all those areas. He's saying, just because it's all been forgiven doesn't mean that it doesn't still have consequences in this life. So the question is, how am I perfected? How am I justified? How am I perfected if I still sin sometimes? And this is what makes the gospel so beautifully simple and so completely complex. It's so simple that a child can understand it. And it actually says you have to have a childlike trust to get into it. That thing of, okay, Jesus, I simply trust that you did it for me. But then it's so complex in the fact that it doesn't stop there. It delves deep into every part of your being, your life, your relationships. It wants control of everything. To help explain it tonight, we're going to do some pictures. Is that all right? Because here's the question. How can I be justified and and still sin? Like, how does that work? How am I perfect, but I still have sin? How does that work? My question is this. Do you know who you really are? Who are you really? Is it, you know, like, 
the, the Bible says that, that God created us in his image, that he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three in one. And he created us to be three in one. Paul said to the Thessalonians this, 2 Thessalonians 5.23, he describes it there. He says to them, now may the God of peace himself, may he sanctify, we'll just remember that word for later, may he sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of those three words, spirit, soul, and body, who are you? Who are you? See, the truth is, each and every one of us, we're not this body. You know, that's what we see, but that's not who we really are. This is, this is who we really are right here. I am a spirit. I have a soul of my mind, my will, my emotions, and I live in this body. And when this body doesn't, is no longer alive, then I'm not here anymore. You put my body in the ground, that's not me. I've gone somewhere to, a, I've gone to a better place. But my, that's the part that, that's alive, the spirit, soul, and body. So you know, you say, well, what did, what did Jesus justify? It's that spirit part. That's what becomes reborn. We said last week about being born again. That's what happens. It's that part of you that becomes alive on the inside, born again. Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel prophesied that this would happen. He said, um, Ezekiel 36, verse 26, he says this, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I think someone mentioned that tonight in, in the song. And I'll put a new spirit in you. <laughs> I will take out your stony, stubborn heart that's all about you. And I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart to me. I'm going to put my spirit in you so you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. As a Jesus follower, you hear his voice. And it's not just from the pastor preaching. It's not just when you read the word. It's like, you know there's something on the inside that's prompting you to do things you normally wouldn't want to do. And they're good things and they're wholesome things and they're healthy things. And they're like, things like, they're difficult, like forgiveness, but it's, it's there. Like, I, so I just know I got to. I just know what, what is that? that that's the, the spirit that's been changed. It changes on the inside, becomes alive to God. Second part, you know, your soul. You know, your soul on our little picture here, which will be there soon. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, it's the part that needs to be renewed. That's the part that, you know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, like, hey, I made you perfect. Guess what? Your attitudes and your habits and all that. How many of you know that didn't change right away? I mean, still like your thought process, still the same. Because that's not what changed right away. And that's what people think. Well, uh, I gave my heart to Christ. Everything should be pure on the inside and I'm perfect till my first sin, which usually starts up here. That hasn't changed yet. That needs to be renewed. That didn't change whether your spirit's been 100% reborn. Nothing affected that. It's still happening up here. And then finally, you know, it says all... Uh, your, that your body, it doesn't get reborn. It doesn't get renewed. It actually needs to be replaced. Your body is the part that needs to get replaced. Unfortunately, I don't know about you, but have you noticed that our bodies don't get better with age? I mean, they do if you're a teenager maybe and you get to that spot where you're like hit your early 20s and you're working out and you're powerful and, and then something happens. You know, time and gravity and metabolism, just not your friends. I don't know about you, but like lately... People just keep pointing out to me that I'm getting old. They, they tried to give me the seniors discount at Home Hardware a couple weeks ago. I, I know. They blamed it on my mask. My physiotherapist went there for work on my shoulder, and I'm like, so, so what can I do? She's like, nothing. I'm like, what? She's like, why? She's like, that's just the joys of getting old. I'm like, I'm 43. How am I old already? But many of you agree with me. It doesn't get 
better. And that's why he's like, man, that, that thing's going to be replaced someday. And Paul tells the believers, it's actually like a seed. You know, you plant a seed in the ground. Uh, what grows is way better than a seed. You plant an apple seed, you know, it doesn't look like much. But you see an apple tree with all the blossoms and everything. It's like, wow, that is so, so much better. And that's what he says for us. He's like, that's what he even says that when, when we die, our body's buried in the ground like a seed. And the next one, it's just way better. See, the good news is, is you know, that, that it's not just about your spirit being reborn, that God's not just finished with you at that moment. His goal wasn't just to save you from, from hell, but to, to sanctify you. To actually go through that thing that he said, to actually change. Sanctify means like set something apart for its original purpose. To restore you back to the purpose that you were meant to have. When you live your life, you're like, this makes sense. You know, like I was always empty, always wondering, like, do I have a purpose? And it's like, I want you to discover your purpose. And it wasn't created to sin or for sin, but that, it would, that you would glorify God and have a relationship with him. And you'll find like, oh, there's something so meaningful in that. You know, God completed the justification, the reborn process. He completed that here. But it's at that moment where you say yes to him, the sanctification process starts. And Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6, he says this, I'm confident of this very thing that he, God, who has begun, it justified, he began a good work in you here. He says he's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It's like that song Waymaker we sing. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. You know, the days where you're like, oh man, I just feel like I'm way down here. He's like, yeah, I haven't stopped working. I haven't stopped working. My kids actually think that song was written about me. They're like, dad, you never stop. You never stop working. But I don't trust their theology because they also sing the song that when Beth was arrested, my life began. So I'm, uh, (laughs) but what is this good work? Beth is my wife, for those who don't know What is this good work? Romans 12, Paul says this, this work of sanctification. He's like, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that part of you, present that as a living sacrifice. Let it be holy. Let it be acceptable to God, because that's your reasonable service. For what he's done for you, that makes sense. And then part two, do, do not be conformed to this world. Don't try and follow the way they do life. It doesn't work. They don't often realize till it's too late. But he says, but I want you to be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That part's got to be renewed that you might prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this is that, you know, we said last week, is it just that you just accept the gospel and it's all good? No, there's this part called repentance. And we hear repentance, we picture this, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. I promise. I feel so guilty. I feel so terrible about who I am and what I've done. Until I go do it again. Like, that is, for so many, the thought of, oh, if they cried a lot, man, they really must have meant it this time. That is not repentance. Repentance is this thing where it just simply says, I changed my mind about something. The way I thought about something, you say, I want to change the way you think about things. And not to think about them in that same way. You know, that's the working out of this thing called repentance. That, that God's changing you as, as, as you're changing your mind. Maybe I can describe it this way. My buddy Pete bought a tractor a couple of years ago. Here's what this tractor looked like when he bought it. You know, when I think about the tractor and I compare us to that. I think about Jesus, you know, paying for our lives. My buddy Pete did not buy that tractor to just leave it in a field and let it rot. That's not why he bought it. And that's not why God saved us either. Just say, hey, uh, you know what? I got you into heaven. You got fire insurance. You're good. You're not going to hell. You know, just whatever. I'll see you later. I don't, even, don't actually, don't call me. Don't talk to me. You're in, but let's just leave it at that. He's like, no. He's like, there's this, this thing. And so he said, there's... 
Pete was saying, man, I got to do a full teardown and full rebuild. He began to just take this thing apart. He took it down to this is what it looked like, and then he made it into this. <laughs> and then, you know, he took it from this to this and continued to work and continued to, to, to change this. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the way God works in our lives. We have some deep-seated ways we think about things. And he's like, I don't want you to think about things in that way anymore. You know, the way you think about success, I don't want you to think that way anymore. He says, the way you think about God as angry up in the sky, I don't want you to think like that anymore. The way you think about people, about money, about sex, about suffering, about life in general, I want to change the way you think about that. Because if I can change this, I'll actually change you. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I put it in these pictures that from this, you'll go to this. And that that work is being done in our lives. And you know, sometimes it's like, it's one part at a time process in your life. How many of you Jesus followers is like, yeah, he's, he keep, there's, he's just never done. There's just one more thing that he keeps working on in our lives. Aren't you glad he didn't try and do it all at the same time? It's a slow process. I, that's why I say sometimes people judge others. That's why I like this like slow moving sign. Because I think this is, a good, this is a good reminder for us. And we want to look at other people and be like, wow, that person became a Christian like three whole weeks ago. How come they're still smoking? How come they're still drinking? How come they're still doing all this? How long did it take you to change and get some of that stuff worked out in your life? I would say a lot longer than three weeks. It's taken me 30 years. It's still working it out in my life. It's not a quick process of what he's doing in our lives, but he's doing it. It's not an always an easy process either. And for some, you know, Jesus said when they had the word and they were like, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And then the going got tough. He talks about like the sower sowing the word. And he says, as soon as a little bit of, a little bit of weed sprang up, they just, I give up. Just, for many, that's the case. But Peter and others in the New Testament wrote to the believers and said, hey, listen, when it gets tough, don't think that God has given up on you. He hasn't, he's not doing this to you, but believe me, he has not given up. He's still working and he will continue to work through that situation. Here's what Peter wrote to the believers, 1 Peter 1 verse 6. He's like, be truly glad. You're going through tough stuff? Man, the doctor's reports, whatever it may be, he's like, be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead of you. Even though you might endure many trials for a little while, He's like, these trials, you know what they're doing? He's like, they're showing that your faith, your trust in Christ is genuine. If it's being tested as fire tests and as purifies gold, through your, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it's going to bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Just look a little further ahead, he's saying. Verse 8, he's like, man, you guys love him even though you've never seen him. I'm like, he could have wrote that to us. He's like, though you don't see him now, you actually trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And the reward of you trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And that is open for everybody today. You know those that tough spots of things going through? I'm walking through some of those with people right now. And I was thinking about it this week. It's almost like making maple syrup. I tried that this year. Oh my goodness, what a lot of work. It was like a homeschool project that turned into a make work for dad project. But, you know... <laughs> There's this thing where you have to boil, it's 40 to 1. You put 40 gallons of sap, you get one gallon of syrup, and you have to boil and boil and boil. And it boils off all the blah, you know, the stuff that doesn't taste like it. That all gets boiled away until the heat makes sweet. Until the heat makes sweet. And I think that's, you know, a very good picture of what God does in our lives sometimes. When it feels like it's hot and it feels like, oh, there's a lot on me. It's like, it's in those moments I don't know about you, but for me, it's in those moments where I'm like, man, I've never been as close to him as in those times. 
I listened to this woman named Jackie Pullinger. Uh, just a, it's an interview she did 10 years ago. I listened to it this week. It's called, um, she wrote a book called Chasing the Dragon. She was a missionary in Hong Kong. And she just talked about, you know, when she get to the, you see so many problems around you and you get to the, you just like, you get to the end of what you can do. You can't help anymore. You've done everything. You've given your last cent. You've given your last ounce of compassion. She's like, you know what? You get to the end of you. That's when you see Christ shine through. It's like he takes that moment and all of a sudden it's like, wait, why was I trying to do this on my own? And she said too, as you become, you know, say this idea of trusting the good news, it's not to become like other Christians. Because she said a lot of other Christians, <laughs> you don't want to become like them. So many, we look around other people and like, yeah, they're like hypocrites. They're like, well, my buddy, my buddy always says, it's like they were baptized in lemon juice, you know? They like became Jesus followers and they're miserable for the rest of their life. He's like, you don't want to become like that. She says, the simple thing is that you trust the gospel. It's not to become like Christians. It's to become like Christ. To become like Christ. And so, I know today maybe feels more like a school lesson. I don't know. But I hope that the truth of what justification and, uh, uh, and, what, and sanctification, what those two things mean in our lives. And I just want to give you a quick chart of what those two things how they work, step one, step two in our lives is that justification is about our spirit. It's been reborn. Sanctification is about our soul. Second one is that it's, it is that. That spirit is reborn. You are born again, whether you think it or feel it or not. The second thing is that that's, the mind's just got to be renewed. Third, justification is about what he's already done. This is past tense and it's already finished. The second side is of what he's doing in your life. And there should be evidence of that happening as a Jesus follower. This justification finished work. He doesn't have to save you again. He he doesn't have to be crucified every time you sin. You know, even the whole idea of I got to repent every time I sin because maybe what if I die and I didn't repent? That's all been covered. He doesn't doesn't want to live with all of that like, oh, am I in? Am I out? Am I in? He loves you. You're in. It's finished. But the second part is a work in progress. Let me change the way you think. And then the last one is, well, justification's his part. You, you, you actually don't do much on this side. He's the one who did it for you. You simply trust. The second part, sanctification, we play a part in that. Our part along with him. And then finally, justification means you're free from the penalty of sin. There, there, there is no judgment. There is no condemnation if you put your trust here. You have been justified just as if I'd never sinned. You know, if you've, if you've never sinned, there is no penalty. There's no guilt. There's no, that, that's, what the, that's what the good news is. That's pretty phenomenal. Sanctification is being free from the power of sin, where you don't have to obey it anymore. It might still come knocking. That addiction comes knocking, saying, hey, remember we used to do this? You're like, yeah, we used to do this. Not anymore. Not because I had the power, but through him, I do. It's incredible. And he's going to keep working on you. He's going to keep working on this until that day of Christ. He's never going to stop working. But what about the day of Christ? That's the last thought. And it's quick. It's called glorification. Where sanctification is about your spirit and and sanctification is about your soul. Glorification, when we hit heaven one day, it's about our spirit and our soul and we get a new body. And you know, when we're reborn and renewed, that body, that old body gets replaced. No more pain, no more sickness. You know, what he's done here and what he's doing in our lives now, you know, that's what he will do then is it's finished, finished. It's a finished work on the cross as far as sin goes. It's a work in progress in our mind. You know, when we get to glorification, it's a rest from work. You don't have to try anymore. There's, there's, no, there's no trying to grow anymore. You're good. His part, our part, and then never apart from him. And I love this last part. You know, freedom from the penalty of sin is what he did for us. 
Freedom from the power of sin is what we're walking through. And one day, free from the presence of it all. My goodness. My goodness. I, I wish we were in one of those churches where they shout. I'm like, hallelujah. Preach it, brother. This was, this was good. This was good. <laughs> Not me. What he's done is, oh, truly, it is truly, it's truly amazing when you really grasp it. So let's, let's close this off. Here's my question. Where are you at? When you look at all this, where are you at in that journey? Are you still drawing the line and bouncing up and above and still in that mindset? Maybe you're just in the spot where like, man, I'm trying to, like, I think there's a God. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that he likes me. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure this out to, to get, get to him. Can I tell you, he loves you, but he's saying, stop trying. Just start trusting. He loves you. Stop trying. Just, just tr- trust him. Are you still living apart from him? Trying to do it in your own strength. Maybe today's the first day you're like, man, I... <laughs> I didn't even know there was a God, but somebody asked me to watch this or somebody asked me to come to this. Or maybe as a Jesus follower, you're like, yeah, I trusted him for salvation. I said a prayer once. I, I do believe in God and I believe that he saved me. I just didn't know what to do from here. I don't know what's next. And I'm like, I hope tonight helped clarify some of that for you. That we would simply live in response, truly live in response to what he's done for us here. So Paul wrote, or we, don't, we think it's Paul, wrote to Hebrews Chapter 12, let me leave with this last verse. Therefore, therefore to each of us, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, there's so many who have walked this journey. He's like, so since, since, since we're in that group, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What is that? It's that walking out of sanctification. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I'm on his path and I'm going full bore. Verse two, how do we do it? By keeping our eyes on Jesus and what he's done for us because he's the champion. It's about him. He's the one who initiates. He's the one who started it. He's the one who's perfecting our faith. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. And because of the joy awaiting him, he endured this cross. He disregarded the shame and he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We honor him tonight for that. We honor him today for that. So where are you? Where are you? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I'm just grateful that you know how to speak to us and reach us right where we're at. Thank you for reminding me of (laughs) just how good, how good good news really is. Just hear so much bad news all the time. It's just awesome to hear something good. Father, thank you that there is hope in this life. Thank you that there is forgiveness from our darkest past. God, thank you that no one's too far gone for you. And I just pray tonight that whoever may be hearing this and wondering, they'd simply be able just to reach out to you. Just simply say, ah, Jesus, I trust you. (laughs) Thanks for changing my life. Thanks for continuing to change, not giving up on me on the journey. Thank you for the hope and the future we have together. Ha, Lord, it's it's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence in our lives tonight. Thank you that we're better because of this time together. I ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before we go and before we let you go online, we always have a few questions. Just want you to ask whether it's going to sit in a group. Maybe, you know, I had some people text me and say, hey, we asked all the questions on the way home uh, as we drove with our family last week. I just want to... 
And maybe we have groups that just hang around here to stay, sit around the table and chat about some of these things. Or maybe, you know, you're at the small groups in Nanakoke or Birch or wherever you are uh, uh, watching. Would you take a few minutes just to go through this? And so here they are. What jumped out at you from today's talk? What was the one thing you're like, oh, I never thought of that before. Or, ooh, I didn't really want to think about that. What was it? Because he's brought that to your mind for a reason. It wasn't an accident. Second, how would you have described the good news before today? Maybe you're like, I don't know. How would you have described it? Third, where have you experienced justification in your life? Where have you experienced that? Maybe it's through what Christ has done for you. Maybe it's been somewhere else where you had a, you know, a debt forgiven. And what about sanctification? Where are you experiencing that in your life where God's working on something in your life? And you're like, yeah, he keeps, keeps bringing it around. Keeps bringing it around. You know, it's a good sign. A lot of times the enemy's like makes you feel guilty for that, but it's actually God working in your life. He's like, he's not just not letting you go run, run wild with that. He keeps drawing you back because he's a perfect father. And then finally, are you prepared to share the good news with others? Hopefully after last week and tonight, you feel a little bit more prepared to say, yeah, I get it. I understand what this is all about. And I'm grateful for what he's done in my life. And so if, you've, if you're watching online, I encourage you to pause it right here. And so you have a chance to answer the questions. We'll leave them up on the screen here. If you have to leave, hey, no worries. If you're uh, good to stay, no worries. So uh, thank you for being here. Looking forward to just celebrating Good Friday and Easter with you uh, this, coming, uh, this coming week. And as always, just know that I love you and we will see you soon.